everyone. Welcome back to Soma's podcast. My name is Robin McKinnon, and I'm super excited to share with you today some stories of hope that are happening within our church. I'm really excited to have my very dear friend, Andrew Carlberg, with me today. We met Andrew a few years ago at a wedding, and he quickly became a super important part of our family, of our missional community, and of Soma Church. And last Christmas, Andrew decided to say yes to God's call on his life to go to missions and serve with Adventures in Missions starting this October. He'll be serving and sharing the gospel in 11 different countries. So Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's really good to be here and be able to share with you guys what the Lord has been doing in my life. So you're 27, a Butler grad, you're an actuary by trade, you have great community here in Indianapolis. Share with us what the process was like to decide to leave all of that and answer the call to missions. Yeah, so I would say that there are, <laughs> there's a lot to this story. The brief version, there's three things that I would share. And that would be starting around November-ish of last year, I think about like the major areas of my life. So my job, my community, my church, group and then like friends and then areas of like influence and platforms that I've been given and I would tell you that over the last few years I felt like frustrated in some of those areas at different times and in November it kind of aligned where I felt frustration in all of those and so I just started like really processing with the Lord like what that meant and felt like he was really pushing me towards change and so at the same time all of this was happening, there's two passages of scripture that kept coming up. The first one is in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talent. And as the story goes, there's one servant who's given one bag of gold, one gets two, one gets five. And the ones who get two and five double what they have, and they're told, well done. And the guy who's given one buries it, and he's called wicked and lazy. And the thing about it that really stood out is that what they're rewarded for in the end is the master like rewards them for their faithfulness. It's not the fact that they brought return. It was their willingness to like their willingness to risk and like not play it safe. And so for me, through that passage, what got revealed was just I have felt this call towards missions for probably since graduating college, so five years now. And the thing that I like always hid behind was that I wanted, like just as the disciples were sent out two by two. I wanted my two by two to go with, whether that was a good friend or a wife or whatever that looked like. Um, and what the Lord spoke through that passage was like, even if you feel like you're the one with one talent, like you're missing this two by two, like, are you still willing to risk? Because like, that's what I care about. That's what I reward you for is your willingness to just like risk and not play it safe, not what you bring in return. And then the second passage, there's a short parable in Luke 14 about a master inviting three servants to a dinner party. One says he can't come because he just got some land, one just got some oxen, and one just got married. And the master gets angry, calls out for everybody else in the city, and says that those three will never enter the feast. And reading that was just like what stood out immediately is none of those three things, so getting land, getting oxen, or getting a wife, like none of those are inherently bad things. Like, it's not, I think it's so easy to think that, like, walking with the Lord is either, like, glaringly obvious sin or walking with Him. And the reality of that story is, like, they weren't doing crazily wrong things, 
yet they were like left out of the feast. Like that's not just a warning for like a deeper level of intimacy. That is like a warning from knowing him, period. Because they like refused to let go of these normal things that they were walking with. Um, and so that is what first led to me starting to look into missions and a lot of things happened from there. But those are the three things that really like pushed me to start like looking into this change. And so what was the reaction like of people, your family, your friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a wide variety. Um, I got a lot of people who were supportive immediately. Uh, I got a lot of people who thought that I was crazy, honestly still think that I'm crazy. <laughs> um, can't really get past the idea of giving up a job and salary, especially being 27, kind of like entering the peak earning yes. that I have um, with my job. And so, yeah, wide variety, people who would like, definitely had a lot of people also ask very leading questions, right? So not the like blatantly coming against me, but questions like, are you sure you don't want to keep using your degree? Like <laughs> obviously trying to get me to walk in one way. Um, so yeah, there was people who were supportive from the beginning. There's people who were pretty against it from the beginning, have now come around. And there's people who were against it from the beginning and are still kind of hesitant towards it. How did you decide to go with the world race? Yeah, so I looked at a wide variety of things. When I was looking to change, there was an option in East Tennessee that was like a new church plant that I knew about. I went and visited, loved it. Um, And then I looked internationally at YWAM and World Race. And then (laughs) the little day that I got accepted to World Race, I also got a phone call offering me the chance to go move to Texas, become a pastor and start a soccer ministry down there from a couple that like I didn't even know. Um, And the reason World Race won over those other ones, well, first internationally won, um, just because like even with getting accepted on the same day and having that Texas offer was just like so clearly the Lord saying like, pick the option that strips you of all control, not the one that still leaves you like slightly tied to like the comforts of being here in America, but like the one that really strips you of all control. And so that's how internationally won. And then the reason World Race won out over YWAM one, a lot of YWAMs like high school age kids, and that's not me. But two, <laughs> um, the thing that was really, two things were like a big draw to me in World Race. The first being that it's not just like me going to a random place for a year by myself without any community. The fact that like we have this built in, so I'll go on a team of 50, and then that team of 50 splits into groups of seven and goes to different ministry sites. Yeah, so that was a big draw to like actually have community to like wrestle through this with, experience it with, um, not just like be fully on my own in it. And then secondly, it's just the beauty of getting to experience 11 cultures, like ministry looks so different in different mm-hmm. parts of the world. And so actually being able to gain like a global vision for like how the Lord is moving and what ministry looks like. I mean, I'll go from South America, a place where culturally everybody knows it's like very Catholic culturally, like everybody for the most part will have heard about Jesus and that's like half of my trip. And then I'll jump to Asia and out of the six countries in Asia, Malaysia is the highest rate of people who would confess Christianity. And it's like 7%. Mm, Wow. Um, And so just like being able to experience ministry in both places where like it is established and places where they've never heard it um, was a huge draw to me. And just like, the chance for any of those 11 places to like win my heart 
um, just the reality of yeah, getting to walk through that global picture of what it looks like. I think for me, something I've wrestled with a lot in my life with missions is like, I would tell you when I've gone that I feel like my heart is way more alive for the people that I've seen who are like in incredible poverty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just living with like tremendous hope and joy and like even praying in a language I don't know, like listening to them pray, I'm just like, I know you believe what you're saying, even if I don't know what you're saying right now, totally. Uh, And so my heart just like is on fire for the people who are just so hungry and open, even if they don't know a ton. But then I come back to America and I tell you my heart breaks for America Mm. more than the poverty I see because I see people here who have everything for the most part in terms of like financial, tangible things, yet are living lives that are just like not hopeful, Mm. not joyful, um, very going through the motions and apathy. And so I've wrestled with like, do I go where my heart breaks? Do I go where my heart like feels like it's on fire more? Um, And so just the chance to like, live the other side of that for a year in hopes that like the Lord really reveals which side of that I think I'm called to at least in the now. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe also hearing the Lord for your next steps, yeah. what would happen after? So you said South Africa and Malaysia, what are the other countries that you'll visit? Yeah. So we <laughs> try to get them in the right order. It's Costa Rica, Panama, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Japan, China got changed to Taiwan, and then Cambodia, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Vietnam. I think I got Asia in the wrong order, but those are the countries. But with COVID, they're all pretty subject to change at the moment, but that's the plan as of now. So, yes, of course, I would imagine with everything happening with quarantines, shelter at home, and even some talk of the potential of a second outbreak Mm -hmm. in the winter all of these plans are held loosely, right? Mm-hmm. And how else, I, I, I was thinking a lot, so it's been a joy to walk with you through this process and see how God works. And I know that COVID and shelter in place and all of the different restrictions that uh, have been placed upon everyone over the last few months has dramatically impacted the way you prepare um, your fundraising ability. And so I would love for you to share some of the really cool ways that God has shown up that are unexpected in spite of this pandemic, or maybe even because of the pandemic. Yeah, so there's two things that I think I would really address in this. One is just like the beauty of how fundraising still came together incredibly quickly honestly to the point where I like never really had to stress about it I'll share a story on that in a second and then two uh just like how it has allowed our team to grow a community due to the fact that everybody has time and so at the fundraising side the story that I'll share um is there's like a lot of cool stories along the way I have a whole journal full of them but I probably either the last week of March or first week of April um, had coronavirus. And so I was like pretty sick for about a week. Couldn't really do much, pretty tired. And in that week, I had a couple that I had met with from Soma. They're actually the, they're the second people that I met with in talking about world race. And they had been planning on giving finances were in an interesting place. They had like wanted to give the month of my birthday, and 
they just like hadn't had a lot of money coming in March and then on the last day of March a bunch of money came in which is cool in itself but I was sitting at home like sick in my bed not working and I get the like alert from World Race that I had been given a gift and that morning I had been reading in Isaiah 42 and starting in verse 18 through the end it's just this like warning to the Israelites for being blind and deaf and just like choosing to not look for or listen to the Lord speaking. And I get this gift and it's $4,218, which is like literally chapter verse 4218. And it was just this like super cool moment of, I'm someone who can be really like called and drawn towards action. Like I love to just like do something with the gospel and not just Mm -hmm. sit and like theorize about it. Um, but at times that means I can like try to do it in my own power too much. And so it's just like really cool moment of the Lord speaking, like, Hey, like I'm still in control of this. And the week that like you literally can't do anything is the week that I'm going to show up and fund like a quarter of your trip through Mm -hmm. one couple. Uh, so that was a really beautiful moment in fundraising. And then on the team side of things, uh, everybody's kind of sitting at home with nothing to do. And so because of that, uh, I was actually talking to my advisor for the trip on Thursday, Wednesday. Um, and he said, it's just like so unusual how much we've communicated. And like, we've had Zoom calls twice a week for three months now. And there's like a lot of people who, like I've really got to know, obviously it's not the whole team. There's a solid like 20 of us we spent a ton of time getting to know each other that like otherwise I don't think would have happened um, just with everybody being busy with their own schedules and own lives. And for me specifically in that, I think another beautiful thing I've seen is like how the Lord provided so quickly with fundraising and like not allowing that to be stressful for me allowed like rather than that being my focus with mm-hmm. World Race has allowed me to just like step into a lot of like leadership within the team just like choosing to be intentional and choosing to be encouraging and like I started leading a bible study for them um and so it's been a really cool gift to see like how the Lord provided for that so quickly to allow me to like let my focus with world race be in another place so fundraising and then getting to know the the team I think would be the two things or actually there's a girl on our team who owns a lake house down in Virginia so like 20 of us are going on a trip at the end of July to get to know each other before we leave. I don't That's think awesome. that would have happened without yeah. COVID either. So. It's amazing to see how God will use all things, right? Yeah. And it's been beautiful to watch his faithfulness as you prepare to really um, submit to his call to go and share the good news. So I would love for you to share any words of wisdom that you have for people listening. Uh, what would you say to someone who is feeling the nudge by the Holy Spirit to go and serve full-time in missions, what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, my short answer is go. My detailed answer, there's a few things I would like to address. One, I know for me, like I had felt called to it for years and avoided it for years. And so just like one, that there is beauty in that, there is grace in that. And like, just because you said no for the last however many years, like you can still say yes, regardless of where your life's at. I would even share that like something that's really beautiful for me that happened as like the Lord was faithful, even in my resisting to go is like 
getting to know you guys and the reality of what I think I've learned the most from knowing you and your family is like far more than anything I ever teach or say from a platform or behind a pulpit like my ministry will fail if that's all it is like if I do not love people right like I've what I've learned from you guys so much is just like ministry is inviting people into your lives like walking with them and like having them over amidst the chaos of your kids and having dinner and just like the beauty of being intentional like to love people requires to be inconvenienced mm-hmm. um and I think that that is something that like I needed to learn before mm-hmm. actually going on missions and so I've seen a lot of beauty in that side of it itself but then beyond that what I would say is like there's never going to be a right time mm-hmm. um and then just like the reality of what we're called to as believers like right the the workers are few and the harvest is plentiful like we know that we know that we are called to the great commission to go and to share and like not just sit around right it's not the great suggestion for the great commission and like in that like following Jesus is costly like it's not the life we're called to in following Jesus isn't a promise for like rosy and sugary and perfect circumstances like we are called to lives that are going to be filled with like rejection and like mm-hmm. giving up your social status giving up like people will tell you right to like cling to your dreams because like if the Lord really loved you he would know better than to touch those things and like the reality is he's going to touch those dreams because what he's after is your heart and his dreams for you and like what mm-hmm. we are designed to do is to glorify God and so if he says to go that means we go whether it makes total sense whether it lines up perfectly logically like the reality is, is like if he speaks what we are called to is obedience and leaving the rest up to him and so my encouragement to you would be if you feel that call if you feel that nudge like yes choose wisdom and like talk to people about it don't just make some crazy one-off decision but at the end of the day like what we're called to is obedience and yeah that perfect time is never coming and so my encouragement would be like as costly as the life of what we're really called to is he's so worth it like at the end of the day that is the whole point of this like we don't say yes because of what we're promised in return as far as like great circumstances in this life saying yes to following Jesus is saying yes to wherever he calls us knowing that like the beauty of that yes is that we simply get to walk with him Mm -hmm. and so if he's calling you to walk in a direction that's scary and that like might be missions for you like the beauty isn't walking through that scariness with him like that's what we're called to the like piece of identity that I always think of is from Exodus 3 and Moses comes and he asks like who am I to do all this and the Lord's response is I am who I am. I will go with you. Like uses his personal name of Yahweh. And for a really long time, I thought God just like avoided Moses's question because there was a better question to be asked. But I think God answered Moses's question by just saying like you are the one that I want to go with. And so like the beauty of identity and walking in this is like we are called to lives where like we are the ones that he wants to walk with and we just simply have to be willing to say yes and like leave the rest of that path up to him. That's amazing. Andrew, thank you for sharing with us today. I always learn from you whenever we talk and I am super grateful to watch you live a life of obedience to Christ. And we are really excited as a church to get to send you out to 11 countries. 
And um, I asked Andrew if he would just close our podcast time in prayer. I pray that um, for each of you, this has been as stirring as it is for me as we seek to live lives that are fully surrendered to our Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're good, Lord, that there is always something to be thankful for in you. Like, Lord, there won't be enough time in our lives to give you the praise that you deserve. Yet, like, we get to give you praise for our entire lives and walk in a life that, like, is worshipful for now and until forever. But it starts now, Lord. It's not just like a one-day win. And so just thinking about Soma as a whole, Lord, I pray that we would be a church that worships. I have recently just been like reading in Genesis 22, and it's the first place in scripture that the word worship is used. And it's not tied to some like emotional moment of singing. It's the moment where Abraham is called to go and sacrifice Isaac. And he turns to his servants and says, wait here while the boy and I go worship on the mountain. Like the first place worship is used, it is tied to deep sacrifice and laying down of our lives. And so God, would we be a people that live lives that worship you? And that can be in singing, that can be in so many things, Lord, but we'd be people who aren't so concerned about our plans and our dreams and like our concerns, Lord, but we'd be people that live lives that truly worship, that like lay our lives down, no matter how scary that is, no matter how hard that is, no matter how like much fear might come in that. Lord, I pray that we'd be people who just take the next step through that and watch how you move, watch how you catch us and carry us through that. So God, I pray that we'd be people who just say yes, people who walk in obedience, people who live a lives that are in awe of you. Lord, I come against any apathy, I come against fear, I come against discouragement. Lord, would, would we be people who walk intimately with you, people who know you, people who aren't blind and people who aren't deaf, as Isaiah 42, 18 says, but we'd be people who look for where you're moving and join you there now. That we'd be like, that's what patience is, right? Is to, is to not just wait for you to move in a certain area, Lord, but people who want you to move there, but choose to see where you are moving and join you there while still hoping you move elsewhere. But like, Lord, would we be people who don't just waste our lives and look forward to like one day when, but we would be people who see your beauty and your goodness now, that we would look for it, that we would wake up every morning with eyes that like want to see how you're moving, where you're moving. Scott, I, I bless the people of Soma and I ask your blessing upon them. Um, and specifically just in the time of COVID, I come against loneliness and I come against fear and I come against discouragement. Lord, would you breathe life into this congregation and would you give us opportunities as we come out of this thing to to go to a world that is so desperate and is like seen so clearly through this pandemic of how empty the things that like we can so easily hope in are or that we have the only message of hope that will ever be lasting no doctors can bring it no political leaders can bring it is a hope that only comes from you, Lord, because it is about the fact that you have saved us for eternity. And so, God, we get to be with you for eternity. And so would, be, we, would we be people who go, and would you give us opportunities to share that hope, and would we walk in boldness in that? We ask all of this in Jesus' name, knowing it's through that name that we have relationship with you in the first place. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andrew.